Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest is Ryan King, uh, CEO and co-founder of Foam, and the website is foam.space. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm great. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, since we're not talking about mattress foam, uh, tell me what, what foam is about and what the acronym means. Uh, it's um, Foam is a spatial protocol for the Ethereum blockchain, so it's um, for proof of location, so geolocation and spatial standards. Um, but we started working on the project a number of years ago, and the name uh, has followed us all this time. Um, and originally, our first project, uh, coming from the field of architecture, um, we built it with giant geofoam blocks uh, in the streets of New York City and called the project Foam Space, where we gave out tokens to people who came uh, prior to Ethereum launching. And also, coming from the field of architecture, uh, all these kind of different iterations and models for buildings are always carved out of foam. So kind of where we got the name. Okay. Um, so tell me more about this proof of location. How does it work? What would be an application for it? Yeah, so we see this as being like a fundamental infrastructure for Web3 um, and as a way to have a trustless system where verification for location can uh, occur for smart contracts to utilize. So in a really simple way, it would be some sort of attestation or claim to something on the blockchain that has um, a location element. So we see this affecting everything from location-based gaming to supply chains to IoT devices, um, as well as uh, self-driving cars and different kind of mapping tools we see popping up. Um, so how can you have secure provenance and um, a way to prove location? All right. So what would be like, a, you know, you gave a bunch of quick examples. Let's go a little bit in depth. What's one example where it would make sense to have it and why? You know, would you want to prove where the stuff is at various points or what would you do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a simple one, actually, because often even, let's say, in construction sites, people are uh, ordering things, um, big different machineries and tools, and they say it'll take a month. And during that month process, they have no way to check where is this delivery and is it going to come on time um, and where has it been along the way. And after a month, they get a phone call saying, hey, it's actually going to be another three weeks. And, you know, the customer there is completely left in the dark. And that's part of the yeah. reason that um, you see a lot of different proof of concepts in supply chain when it comes to blockchain. But we've talked to a lot of those different projects and proof of concepts, and none of them have any sort of unified standard for referencing location inside smart contracts, and then they don't have any external mechanism to also try to verify location. So we see this as really like a huge uh, missing piece. If you know blockchains are going to eat the world, so many things will need to reference the built environment and also check in a, in a way. So we want, want to provide 
an interoperable way to do that and a way that's like a standard and in a way that's not rent seeking. So, you know, our protocol is an open source um, protocol for the Ethereum blockchain and it's not meant to charge a fee. It's meant to um, really drive the economics of the system. Well, how would you monetize it then if you, you know, put in all the work and time and effort making this, uh, this enabled? Yeah, so for us as a team, we're launching this, um, going to be establishing a nonprofit foundation to oversee the protocol's development. Um, and it's not rent-seeking, so there's no fee to use it. And it may go up in value as people, over time, network effects kick in and people utilize it, but they'll mostly want to use the token to stake to be a validator node in this kind of proof-of-location game or potentially use it for then different application purposes and uh, different apps can make for-profit um, use cases on top of that where the protocol is actually overseen by an open source foundation. So there isn't a revenue model in the protocol, but then different apps can build businesses on top of it. Okay. Um, so you know, what are some other examples where you need to know uh, location of things that would be important? Yeah, I think a few are very simple, um, again, but just like loyalty reward points, checking in at stores, like was I actually here to get this discount? Um, mm. You can then introduce different other ideas like there's a company, Flocket, making IoT Ethereum locks on doors. Um, you can have ways to like have different access points to buildings or checking in. I still think the car collecting data is a big one because right now we see a huge push in autonomous vehicles, but there's a ne new need for mapping and machine maps. So all these different scans and LIDAR are different sensors. And some of those roads need to be scanned multiple times a week. And people are now driving around and uploading that data and getting paid for it. But there's a huge security problem if you couldn't verify, um, did that person actually drive down that street or did they fake this data to try to you know, cheat the system and get some extra money? And that could really be a huge security flaw uh, that could be fatal when you involve you know, autonomous vehicles. Well, what is the problem right now? Is it just that we don't have this capability of you know, location reporting accurately or is it that you know, it could it's be spoofed cause problems? Is it both? It's really the spoofing aspect and the know um, that there's a central point of failure right now and that GPS can very easily be spoofed and jammed. So we actually need really? like a look, a look, yeah, very easily. Even um, one of the main Pokemon Go hacks was, well, twofold, they hacked the actual open source map to generate more rare Pokemon. So there was an incentive to add <laughs> fake data to the map, which we want to solve so that, you know, you put a volcano in Times Square, you're going to get a lot of rare Charizards. Um, and they started messing up the map for other companies. But then also players would mess with the GPS in their iPhone, so they would be sitting uh, at their desk all day, but in the app, they'd be running around the whole city. So that's like a game example, but, you know, I just saw another article of Uber drivers in Africa were spoofing their GPS to increase the fare of the rides. So GPS is actually really? super easy to spoof. Uh, so there is no problem of accuracy. Like GPS is very accurate, and military-grade GPS is even more accurate. But we want to incentivize local um, kind of mesh nets for location that can be trustless and fault tolerant, but then economically incentivized for people to participate. How do, I mean, without giving people like a recipe, but how do you how do people spoof GPS? How does that happen? Um, you can just basically tell between the receiver and the computer to change the coordinates to whatever you want. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. There's no verification and all that stuff, right? Yeah, there's no proof of location in GPS. There's no um, security measures, it's very easy to spoof. So how, is, right, so how would your system work? What makes it secure? And, you know, without being too technical, uh, how is it different and why is it more secure? Yeah, so we're building on, similar to, you know, Bitcoin was built on a lot of previous ideas. So there's many people who have been talking about um, 
geolocation without GPS and through distributed IoT devices or nodes or beacons. Um, so there's a lot of research there. So we're utilizing a few things in that domain. So one is um, clock synchronization, because through the synchronization of time and sending signals, nodes could establish um, how far away they are from each other. And basically, we're then introducing economic incentives where you have to use a token to set up a node and establish a zone. And then people can enter that and also ping themselves to try to synchronize. Um, and then basically have different uh, conditions where if people are caught cheating, they would have their stakes lashed. So they would be incentivized to basically report honestly about location. I would, um, okay, so, you know, let's go back to the shipping idea. So I guess it would be like UPS on steroids instead of just a website telling you where things are at and they either might or might not be there. You could probably know in real time pretty accurately exactly where something is, but um, someone tries to spoof it. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's more like uh, someone wants to have their presence claimed, let's say the ship through a zone. They would ask all those beacons there waiting uh, to verify someone, and they would calculate the distance and publish that proof. Um, but then basically through, uh, I don't want to get too technical, but the cryptographic algorithms and having third parties check it and race to get a piece of the fee, um, they could verify if that happened or not. And then if they had to check in with a neighbor nearby within a certain amount of time to prove that they were in both, and if it happened too quickly, well, then they're moving quicker than the speed of light. If it happens too slow, well, then they probably weren't at the first place already, and they won't get paid or they'll lose their stake. So trying to design those different kind of game theory and economic incentives to make a system like this work. All right, so um, I guess Sentinels are rewarded for accurately reporting on um, something's locus is what it boils down to, right? Yeah, and those people want to basically pay to have their location verified because then it increases, let's say, if they're collecting other data, it, the value of it will be increased if they can prove that it was verified that it happened when they said it did or where they said it did. What about when you first start off a system like this, you know, the initial nodes and the initial verifiers, how do you vet them? How do you know that you're not starting off on the wrong foot and you have like a, you know, like a sleeper agent in there or multiple ones? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think that the, this proof of location system doesn't work in isolation. So if you just have three nodes, uh, really, it's almost like a triangle scheme where we have to incentivize like uh, growth. And perhaps in the beginning, some nodes are making themselves public or can establish themselves as trust anchors to kickstart the network. So in like one city, you um, have some sort of people who know each other or are starting that way. I mean, it's a hard problem to stop civil attacks, uh, et cetera. So it's all stuff we're working on. What are, what are some of the first uh, use cases that you think this is going to be used for? And like, where are you guys at with your development? Yeah, so I guess we have two tracks of development quite uniquely. So one is purely on the software side, and we have a custom um, full-stack web app we're developing, which is called the Spatial Index. And this is a way to basically visualize um, spatial blockchain information. So it's a web app that it works with a Mapbox um, GL and this Uber tool called DeckGL for big data. And it's just a browser app where you can see all this information on a map. But those actual information is coming from the blockchain. And from within, the, within this app, you could interact with those beacons or investigate them on the blockchain, but then also visualize them. Um, and this is built with a custom Web3 library in a language called PureScript, which we've just released in open source last week. Um, and so this like architecture for this web app is a big part of what we're working on, of how do you actually make applications that are spatial and map-based and can talk to Ethereum. And on the other hand, we started a pilot proof-of-concept project here uh, 
in the Brooklyn Navy Yard in New York with setting up these uh, gateway nodes and they have uh, radio signals synchronizing on time and then a beacon who can through and basically interact out with it. So then from there, we might attach that to a drone or a car uh, driving by. So it's uh, not just 2D, but it's 3D and it, it, how it varies in time as well, the location or how, like, how much location data are you gonna get? Um, yeah, it's going to depend on then how, how often those people want to check in or on the client or app side, you know, maybe what the requirements are. We're really just providing this core protocol and infrastructure to incentivize the growth of this coverage network because the technology exists already. Um, just there's no incentives to really launch this kind of thing. Yeah, so what do you think are going to be, again, some of the, the first uses of it, you know, the first big uses? What, what do you imagine they'll be? Yeah, like, I mean, like I said, we're working with uh, different car companies. We're talking to some people. Uh, we've just recently joined the IoT Alliance, which is a consortium of companies like um, Cisco, uh, Toyota Research Institute, and some other blockchain-based ones. So I think that in that sense, these being able to have our API talk to all these different um, IoT devices or autonomous vehicles and plug into that research and get these pilot proof of concepts running and talking to uh, Ethereum via our API is really like we see as a starting point. On the other hand, we also have a lot of interest in location-based gaming, so like augmented reality games um, that incorporate, you know, scarce assets that you have to um, prove your location to get these rare tokens within the game, et cetera. So I see those as being places we can really get things started uh, pretty quickly. Any um, applications that are like crazy to you, but you, you hope that uh, it'll be deployed in? Real ambitions ones? Yeah, I think our main ambition and where we started uh, just to tie everything together coming from the field of architecture is really the most ambitious apps we would see is the decentralized architecture office where you have a swarm intelligence of people looking up the spatial index map and finding sites for development, be able to equity crowdfund uh, visionary projects and actually affect the real built environment through this technology. Do you think that this, uh, I mean, if this works, do you think it could be co-opted for uses that you wouldn't like? Surveillance that's even more pervasive and accurate? Uh, anything anything negative that could come out of it that you really don't want to see happen? Um, yeah, I mean, perhaps uh, everything can be co-opted in some sense. Technology always has a positive and a negative. But I think there's a lot of really interesting tools being developed in the crypto community now. Um, if you see things with zero-knowledge proofs or ZK-SNARKs or ways you can roll your address or uh, provide a deni deniability proofs where you can prove your identity to one person, but they can't do anything with that. So there may actually be more um, privacy measures coming into this technology, and it may actually offset, you know, um, the wariness people would have to share all their data if they could actually um, control it and know who had access to it or who was buying it from them. Okay. So what's, uh, what's on your roadmap for the next uh, six months or a year? By the end of this year, we're hoping to release the spatial index application to the public on the Ethereum testnet, um, as well as a new white paper, website, and promotional video. Uh, and then we're hoping to do a token uh, sale event in early 2018, once we set up all the proper infrastructure for that. And then from there, it's going to be another year of development of partnerships, investing in applications, hackathons, and then launching to the mainnet after that. And what's going to be the, uh, the use of the token again? Uh, it's primarily a staking token to participate uh, in being a validator node for this proof of location. But that's really the bedrock of Foam, and uh, only a certain percent of the tokens will be used for that, and the rest will be for um, different use cases in the spatial index uh, and application. So will it be used as, uh, I guess, fuel or gas to uh, to run an application, or will it be just used, or will it be used as well for um, for staking purposes, so that you can become a node? 
Yeah, primarily meant to be uh, the staking token to participate in the validation node and to also have your stake slashed if you were caught lying or cheating. Um, but the token is also an ERC-20 token, so it can be traded for other tokens. It can be staked and bonded in, in IoT devices or for other games or purposes, and they can also be used as fees if users want. But we see the bedrock use case and the real crypto economics are coming from the proof of location protocol, but then, of course, uh, it's up to the users how they want to use the token. And how many uh, tokens will be needed to uh, be a validation node? Uh, it's still stuff we're working on, on kind of the... Um, new white paper and different kind of challenges to that. And it's an area of research. Right. So you may have different levels and, you know, a hierarchy of, uh, of staking. If you have a certain number of tokens, you're, you know, a master node yeah. or a lower level node. Yeah, definitely. So like in Ethereum, the Casper proof of stake, there's a staking maximum. So you can only have certain percent in the uh, system that you could stake. And then as the more and more Ether is staked, you're approaching that maximum. The amount that each individual can stake is affected. And I mean, all that is um, going to be on our roadmap, even after a token sale, of how to really um, run all the models and simulations of the best way to economically incentivize a system like this. Okay. So it's uh, all right. So it's a little while before this comes to fruition. All right. Very good. And your token generation event, you said it'll be in the early part of 2018. Um, yep. We hope to, we're planning to have everything finished by the end of the year in public, uh, and then it's just a matter of logistics of when we'll have the token sale uh, in early next year. All right, and developers will be able to use, you know, work with the protocol in the test net. You said end of the year or like very beginning of the year? Um, so we just released this um, PureScript Web3 library. So that's uh, currently public on our GitHub. So you can um, build with the same library that we've built the spatial index with. Um, and then we'll be open sourcing more code uh, by the end of the year as well. So what are uh, some resources for people? Where can they go to find out more or to, you know, to start working with the, uh, the protocol once it's ready? Yeah, we definitely are going to have a lot more information soon, but you can check out our website at foam.space. We post announcements on our Twitter, which is at foamspace. You can sign up for our newsletter and also find our old newsletters on our Reddit, which is the Reddit Foam Protocol. And we also have an active Telegram as well as Slack. Um, you can find our Slack at slack.foam.space. And then our also blog has a few posts and more to come. Okay. Well, very good. Well, I appreciate you being on the call. and It's going to be interesting to see uh, how this plays out interested to see as well. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies, that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.